All right, it is 2021, eight days in. It feels like it feels like three months already just happened this week. Um, a lot has happened. Um, I'm I'm gonna keep it uplifting. I'm not gonna even go into all that's happened. I'm just gonna move forward and talk about how to make some money this year. Because believe it or not, years like this. Just like last year when there's lots of distractions, lots of commotion, um, it's lots of opportunities to make some money. And so we're going to do the Stonehill Wealth Management 2021 update, which is which is basically what I'm thinking about um, as far as investments. Um, my big picture economic view. And let's get straight into it. So here's where I like to start. What is the most important part of investing. It is asset allocation. And what's asset allocation? How much of your money is in which asset class? So a lot of people think the most important part about investing is, oh, I got to pick the stock that's going to make the most money, or I have to be able to time the market. And that's that's not true. The most important part about investing is how much of your money is in which asset class. And when I say asset class, asset classes are like types of assets, so you have like small company stocks, small cap value stocks, emerging market stocks, oil and gas stocks, like the different categories, categorization, you can categorize it by territory, whether it's U.S. stocks um, or non-U.S. stocks, emerging market, Russian stocks, you have other asset classes like commodities, you have bonds, right? So lots of different asset classes, and, and that's what I mean by asset allocation. What's most important is how much of your money is in the different asset classes, and and in what amounts. And so what drives asset classes? Well, economic growth and inflation, right? Those are are the two things that drive the movements of of asset classes. Think of them like tailwinds or headwinds. If you are a uh, track runner and, um, and you run your fastest time on a clear day with not a lot of wind and a regular altitude, uh, same runner, you put that same runner in a different environment where it's super windy, you know, crazy weather, altitude where it's hard to breathe, right? They're, they're not going to run the same, right? And so these uh, different economic situations affect different asset classes um, differently. And so understanding uh, the the current trend will will help you, right? And and, and this, this is super important. A lot of people think, hey, to invest properly, I have to predict the next Tesla, or I have to predict uh, what the economy is going to do. And I'm like, no, listen, these these different, um, the different drivers of growth and inflation, they don't last for a day or a week or a month. These are multi-year uh, trends, sometimes multi-decade trends, um, that all you have to do is same same thing you do in, in March, right? So right now it's winter and it's cold, right? And I have my scarf on, my sweater, my pants, and I pretty much every time I've come outside, for the most part in Texas, sometimes we get to come out with, with shorts every now and then, but for the most part, I know this is how we're going to have to dress. But there's going to be a time in March where I come outside and I can wear shorts and a t-shirt for a couple of days and I know, oh, okay, cool. The weather's changing. It's becoming spring and I'll start to buy more shorts and t-shirts so I can be prepared for, for spring and summer. And so you don't, I don't need to predict when it's going to be spring. I just need to keep going outside, checking the weather, and then watch when the trend changes. And then I position, right, position my outfit appropriately for the next season, meaning buy the right suits and, or not suits, but I don't like suits, buy the right clothing for it. 
So let's talk about it. So for the, the 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 first way I divide the seasons is economic expansion, right? And I promise I'm going to get to my update, but I got to lay the groundwork, right? Economic expansion. So when the economy is expanding, the assets that do well are stocks, corporate bonds, real estate, commodities, precious metals. And when the economy is in recession or depression, uh, cash and, and treasury bonds, you know, are, are, are t- typically do well. Now, it's really hard to time a recession, and and the and the cool part is seventy percent of the time the the economy is expanding, and so the odds are in your so you really don't have to time a, a depression or recession and try to figure out when to be in cash and and, and overweight in bonds because seventy percent of the time right the odds are in your favor to just bet on an economic recession because if because by the way if you get it wrong and you time it wrong and you go defensive when we're still in expansion then you lose the opportunity to make some money. And so I'm explaining these two two different um, economic periods because it's important to know, but not because but not because it's like important for you to learn how to time. And for the record, like, well, we'll, we'll move to the next part because the next part is the, the, the more important part, right? So uh, in, in inflation drivers, right? So um, figuring out where we are from an inflation standpoint is is very important because inflation cycles or what I refer to as reserve country currency bull and bear markets are are multi-year, multi-decade trends that will allow you to position your money uh, appropriately to potentially earn above average returns, right? It's it's the part where whenever you say, all right, I I don't want to just like put my money in the same mutual funds or ETFs or stocks and hold it forever because, right, things change. Um, or if I do do that, I need to know what percentage to put in what, right? So I'm so this is this will allow you to say, all right, here's here's how I know how much to put in what, right? Or or at least get a start for what I want to favor and what I want to not favor as much. And so when I say a reserve country currency bull market, what that basically means is the U.S. is the reserve currency of the world, right? Reserve currency mean it's it's what most of the world uses to do business whenever they. Whenever different governments pay each other for energy or whatever, most of it's done in dollars, right? That that's changing, but at the moment, um, most people transact uh, in dollars. So the U.S. is the reserve uh, country um, of the world, right? And so the reserve country currency is a dollar. And so um, there are time periods where people are bullish on. Uh, the dollar, they want to own lots of dollars, and there's times when they don't want to own lots of dollars for a whole lot of reasons, and I won't go into that right now. The point is, when people want a lot of dollars, you have a reserve currency, uh, country currency bull market, uh, and when they don't, you have a reserve currency country bear market, and I'm oversimplifying it because you have long-term bull markets and shorter-term bull markets, and sometimes they uh, overlap Right, and and that will take too much nerd work to to to, to flesh that out. But I want to go, you know, big picture and help you understand that part. So, whenever we're in a reserve currency bull market, i.e., the last five seven years, um, the assets that do well in that in that environment are uh, large company stocks, growth stocks, and, and what's happening in, in in that environment is people are saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, I want to put my money in 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 in, in assets that are." Uh, in the reserve currency country because that country is what what the world considers safe. So people, so whenever 
global growth around the world and you know outside the U.S. is it's in turmoil or whatever. People are like, all right, I want to take my money out of these risky places and put them in the U.S. Right, and we want to own the biggest, most stable, safest stuff, and we want to own people. And so that's what we've been in for the last five to seven years. Um, reserve currency bear market; those assets are people are like I don't really want dollars. And they, they say, because I don't trust what's going on. It could be because the U.S. is running a deficit. It, here's a simple version. You can look at a country like a person, right? So we look at people and we can tell, oh, this person has a good credit rating for whatever reason, because uh, there's lots of different, different things that make up your credit score. Or this person has a bad credit rating. When, when, when the U.S. has a bad credit rating from, from the world standpoint relative to other places they could put their money, uh, then they go to a bear market, and they don't want they don't want to um, uh, have the you know they don't want to have money in U.S. assets because they think their credit is bad. So then they turn to things like gold, uh, commodities, precious metals, um, commodity and precious metal stocks, uh, real estate, um, and Bitcoin, right? And what's the what's the common what is the common thread of all those asset classes? Uh, with Bitcoin being the new one, is uh, they're all scarce resources, right? Gold is the scarcest element on the element table. Uh, commodities are, you know, they come from the ground, um, and and they can be mined. Um, so they're 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 less scarce than gold, but more scarce than money that can be created out of thin air, like like dollars. Um, real estate, they're not making any more of it. And Bitcoin was a new invention that, uh, without boring you with nerd stuff. They were able to create scarcity on on digital assets because there's only going to be 21 million currently written into the program, and it's really hard to change, you know, if they're going to make any more. So, 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 looking at let me let me kind of go through different time periods to help you understand what I mean. So, in the 70s, you know, you had a basically something like a lost decade. It's a little bit more than a lost decade, um, but you had a lost decade of time period where the stock market the S measured by the S&P 500 basically went sideways, right? It didn't it didn't go anywhere for a long period of time, which is a reserve currency country bear market. They pulled their money out of US stocks, bonds, um cash and put it in um different places. Gold had a massive run up. It it went up from, you know, from let me see. I actually put it down here from January 1970 to January 1980. Uh, based on goldhub.org's chart, it went up from $35 to roughly $512 um, from January 1970 to, to, to January 1980, which at the same time, people were pulling money again out of the U.S. assets. The stock market went sideways. Bond rates went up. Right when bond rates go up, that means bonds go down because they're selling them. Um, but let's look at another period. So then after that, you have the 80s and 90s where gold went down, right? Gold went down in price, but S&P 500 stocks went up. So that was a reserve currency bull market. You know, the background, what happened was the U.S. ended up paying down some of its debt. They raised interest rates to a high enough level where people were attracted to putting money back in because they're like, okay, cool. I know it's it's risky, but these rates are paying me for the risk and they've solved some of the debt problems. So we'll go ahead and put money back in the U.S. And then you had a multi-decade bull market in the U.S., over that period of time, people sold their gold, right? You look at the early 2000s, that's where, again, the U.S. debt started getting bigger for, for a whole lot of reasons. People didn't want U.S. assets, and gold did rel- well relative to um, to U.S. assets. Um, and, and so uh, recently, 
and and this this brings us to where we are in the economic cycle. So we're we're we are we are beginning one of the short term um, cycles of of a of a, and this is my view. In my view, we're at the beginning of a short term dollar bear market. When I say short term, something like five to eight years. Um, but we're also setting. We we've also you know beginning in two thousand eight. Um, started to start at the end of a long-term dollar decline. That's that's been going on um, since 08, right? Since interest rates hit zero. Because what ends up happening, the reserve currency status lasts on average for a hundred years or so, and so we're coming up on that period of time. And and classic, and at, at the end of every uh, reserve currency uh, regime, y- you know, you have lots of debt, you have lots of gaps between the haves and have-nots, you have low interest rates. Um, you have demographic issues, and so we're we're looking at all that kind of stuff. And so you're like, cool, we're moving to a new currency regime, and that's a that's a big that's a big reason why you see, you know, over the last ten years, gold gold is actually like, you know, done relatively well since since 2010. Not better than S and P, but gold has you know made some money. Um, you've also had um, Bonds and gold go up at the same time, which is, which I don't, which that's just, just understand that's a sign of the end of a long-term cycle. And then, and this is, this hasn't happened, but the invention of Bitcoin coinciding with the, uh, the 08 kind of crash was an example of, you know, human ingenuity, right? So what, what human beings, what we keep doing is we continue to reinvent ourselves, right? A lot of people think the end of a currency regime is the end of the world. I'm like, no, human beings, we've been reinventing ways to do business and transaction with money since the beginning of time. And so the fact that Bitcoin came around the, around the end of this new current, currency regime wasn't a, you know, it, I don't think it was a coincidence. It's just, it's what human does because we a problem needed to be solved, right? We, we, we didn't have any other large companies at the time, country at the time that could, um, that was big enough for everybody to transact in their currency because to, to be a reserve currency, you have to have an economy big enough for the world to transact in uh, or you'll end up with the same problem. Um, but the U.S. is no longer big enough and we're declining in economic uh, power. And uh, a big problem in the world is having a few people in control of how much money is printed and that creates corruption and government theft through inflation and abuse and so Bitcoin came around and said, hey, there's only going to be 21 million. In order for it to be changed, it's going to be really, really hard. You have to have group consensus like a lot of people. It's transparent. You can see what's going on. You can see the rules. Anybody can who can run a node. Um, there's no you know, huge barrier to entry. And so over time, what happened is Bitcoin caught up. And then what, what ended up happening in, in, with this recent you know, bull market is you, know, you, you already have you already had the economy slowing down at the beginning of 2020, and then COVID just accelerated that. And what what everybody knew was if when we went into another recession, the government would have to print so much money that it just it was it's not going to be paid not going to be able to be paid back. Right, raising taxes wouldn't really work because you have to raise it to a high level to where people wouldn't accept it to pay the money back. And economic growth globally was so slow because you know China was slowing too. Um, that it, you know, it was going to be a situation where when all this government debt was created to put stimulus into the system, that it was not going to get paid back. So, so people said, okay, right. And by the way, this happens over and over again. That's how you have dollar 
bear markets. People are like, okay, cool. I no longer want to own this paper stuff because they're going to just create money to solve this short-term problem, but it's going to make the money I have worth less, right? Because again, if you supply and demand, if you create more of something, it makes the value of the existing stuff go down. Um, and so people said, cool, let's take this Bitcoin thing seriously because you know they a lot of a lot of people who don't like paper money, they, they like real estate, they have some gold, but Bitcoin is um, very easily transferable, right? You can't, you know, it's hard to transfer your real estate, right? If you want to, you know, switch countries or switch states or whatever, uh, keeping a million dollars of gold um, safe, you know, is a lot of work. But having Bitcoin uh, and having a lot of money in Bitcoin is relatively simple. Not, I mean, I'm not saying simple. It's simple. It's not easy. But it doesn't take, you know, you don't need to have a bunch of security guards to guard your house if you put a million dollars of Bitcoin in your house. But you need, you need it if you put a million dollars of gold, right? And you couldn't put a million dollars of real estate in your house. It was a technology invented to uh, help solve a problem. And, and you have, so in, in 2017, when Bitcoin first ran up on this really big rally and got everybody no, noticed, it was a retail-driven, it was a retail-driven uh, market. This run-up, I talked to people who were, asking about Bitcoin in 2017 and they got hurt so bad they're not interested like this market is being driven by smart money rich people family offices hedge funds who understand macroeconomics understand wait a minute the system is bankrupt I gotta take my money out of it right I'm gonna put some in gold I'm gonna put some in Bitcoin I'm gonna put some in real estate but that's what's driving um, this market and and if you want to kind of understand and, and get a picture of you know where where Bitcoin can 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 go to, you, you got to understand, you'll now see why I laid the groundwork for explaining these two different, um, th- these multi, th- these different type of economic environments, because, you know, um, if, if, if you want to simplify it further, you can look at, in general, bonds and gold um, have historically, uh, U.S. bonds and gold have historically traded counter to each other. So when bonds have did well, Gold didn't do well. So again, go back to the 70s. Bonds rates went up. Bonds went down. Gold did well. 80s and 90s bonds did well. Gold didn't. Right. I, I went. I went through those periods of time. So if if we're if we're entering a cycle where people are like, okay, you have the, you have governments printing money, which is basically they print money to buy government bonds or corporate bonds. Some Japan even buys stocks, but they're printing money to buy assets. Then you're like. I don't, I don't fully understand this, but th- this doesn't seem right, right? This seems kind of worthless. Uh, and in the short term, those worthless assets can go up, but at some point, they'll begin to to go down and money will shift from those assets to another asset, to the counter asset, right? Everything's counter. So then you say, okay, cool. We have $128 trillion or something like that of 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 bonds around the world. And they're going to start growing at a crazy rate over the years because the governments have to print money to solve these problems. So you say, okay, what percentage of that $120 trillion is going somewhere? I'm going to just tell you a lot. Because in my estimation, you know, a good 30, 40, 50% of those bonds are worthless. Because because if you think about it, if, if, the, if people wanted the bonds, the government would not have to print money fake money and buy the bonds. The market would buy it, right? If the if if investors or if the market who are investors wanted those bonds, government would need to print the money. We would just take it out of our there's plenty of cash around, take our money and put it in bonds. But they don't want the bonds, so they have to print the money and buy the bonds. So you gotta 
you got a huge market of assets that are, you know, um, are worthless, right? And I'm not, I'm not counting cash or any other assets. I'm just, I'm just picking on bonds for a second. And so you say, okay, some of that's going to go into gold. Some of it's going to go into real estate. How much of it is going to go into, into Bitcoin, right? And, and you begin to see why Bitcoin has run up so much between now and then because people are like, hey, I don't know how much of the 120 trillion is going into Bitcoin, but it's a whole, but if, if Bitcoin's market, Bitcoin's market cap now is like a trillion dollars, I think, because it, it went up a lot since I fell asleep because now it's at $41,000 of Bitcoin. I went to bed. The market cap of Bitcoin was like close to a trillion dollars. My point is, it's 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 going to be more than a trillion dollars going into Bitcoin in my estimation, right? And so you have, you know, a lot of upside for a new asset class that a lot of a lot of people, and I'm a believer. I believe that um, if if you if you look at if you look at the evolution of money, right? So you look at how money has evolved. First, it started off as uh, people use things like gold as a trade, and then they said, "Oh man, it's it's hard to travel and carry gold, so let's." Store our gold in the in somewhere safe, and then we'll issue notes or you know money to say, hey, you can I'm gonna give you this money, and you can redeem it in gold if you want to, right? And and then so that was currency backed by gold. And then in 19, for example, 1970, the U.S. or 1971, the U.S. broke the link to gold, so they said, hey, you no longer can redeem gold in dollars, and so it was just paper money. And so this has been what you call the fiat system. But as the system breaks down, people want to move back to a, uh, a, a uh, an environment backed by something that's scarce, right? And so we're, we are, in my estimation, moving back to that deal. So you say, okay, cool. We're moving away from paper money because what you end up saying is I trust these people to not screw me over and they've screwed us over. So that trust is lost. So So we'll move back to a system that is backed by something scarce, and 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 the bet is that Bitcoin will be that deal that, that that is the underpinning of the system where it says, hey, this is a scarce resource that we can build our entire financial system on top of, right? And and maybe it won't be all Bitcoin. It will be, you know, th- there'll still be some fiat currency. There'll still, you know, other countries will have their own, right? I think a lot of them will have it in the stable in the stable currency format, right? Listen to my old, listen to a podcast about two or three episodes back about um, stable coins. And you'll understand that, you know, but, you know, Bitcoin, my belief and the price is showing it will be a big part of that because it's it doesn't require us to like human beings. We go in trends. Right. And, you know, we like to trust central authority and then we don't trust central authority. You know, we go from centralization to decentralization. If, if Read the Bible. Right. It's particularly the Old Testament. And it's just the story of. You know, um, the Jewish people going back and forth from centralized to decentralized, centralized to decentralized. Um, but the, but it, it happens over and over again in Houston history in, in human history. So um, we're 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 in an environment where people are like I no longer trust central authorities. Right? You can see that play out in again what happened. You know, in Democrat and Republican parties, Pe- people are no longer trusting the system because they shouldn't. The system has failed a lot of people. Right? And it's, it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It's just. This the, the system is broken, and we have to rebuild it. And part, and then you got and so so the speculation is, um, what are the trends? Where is it moving? And how is it going to get rebuilt? And this is how cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, fits into the overall picture. So, if you can tell, you know, my view is we're entering into a short-term um, dollar bear market, right? And we talked about the assets that you want to own in that environment. 
And and I also believe in this long term dollar, you know, end of the dollar being the reserve currency. We're moving into a new, what you call a new world order, where I believe Bitcoin would be a foundational asset uh, in, in 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 that new world order, which is why I incorporated into some of Stonehill Wealth Management's investment strategies um, um, that we use. So um, that's my 2021 investment update. I know I went a bit nerd. You might got to replay this back a few times, but I'm going to start putting some nerd episodes in there because it's, it's really important. I have some slides that go along with this. If you're on my email list, you got the slides. If you're not on my email list, go to StonehillWealthManagement.com and either download my book or sign up for that email news email course and you'll be on my email list and you can get the slides and, and, and it'll summarize what I went over so you can re-listen to this and then look at the slides and it'll make a whole lot more sense. But this is really important, right? This is this is a big shift and when there's big shifts that happen, um, you have the potential to make a lot of money. So I hope this helps somebody and I'm about to go, go on a date with my wife. Oh wait, I'm late, 11.40. Holla. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.